Thank you for joining us today on the Annex Podcast, hosted and presented by the Building Christian Fellowship. At the building, we build our faith, hope, and love in Jesus by having a real, relevant relationship with Him. And what better way for us to get closer to God than to learn more about Him through His Word? We pray you enjoy this message. Hallelujah. And being, I, I hope we would give it up for her, being led. She spends time in prayer, spends time practicing so that she can hear from the Lord for us. So grateful for that. So grateful. So I lost my train of thought, but we've started this, or not started, we're coming to an end here soon um, to this hope series. And I just felt in my heart, even as Pastor JR last week did such a great job ministering the word. It's funny because you know, he, had, he was saying, I had no idea what time it was. I felt like I'd been up there for hours, you know? And it might go down in history as like one of TBCF's Sunday morning, like shortest messages ever. And yet, in my opinion, my ever to be humble opinion, it probably would go down also as one of the best TBCF Sunday morning messages we've ever heard. So thank you. You know, sometimes, I mean, every gift under the Christmas tree isn't a big gift. What do they say? It's good things come in small packages too, okay? So uh, sometimes the messages are big ones and sometimes they're small ones, but they all serve a purpose. And uh, thank you for praying and hearing the Lord on behalf of all of us as to what we needed to hear last week. So um, there's nothing like obeying God. It's not always easy because we, sometimes we think we know better. Sometimes we're moved by what we think other people think, but you never go wrong obeying God. And he blesses our efforts um, even when we miss him, but our heart is right. Like, God, I was trying to just be obedient, but I ended up going the wrong direction. He still has a way of using it all. And um, so that's just an encouragement. Like, be obedient. Be obedient no matter what. There's a lot of times Jesus looked foolish until he did a miracle. Like, rubbing spit and dirt together and rubbing it on somebody's eyes. Like, I don't know what would happen this day and age, but the guy was blind and then he could see, right? I mean, some of the things that Jesus asked us to do can look a little crazy to this world. But you never regret stepping out in faith and obeying God. That was not part of the message, but for whatever it's worth, you got a little extra cherry on top today, okay? For those of you that don't know, I am Pastor Jenny, and my amazing better half is sitting here in the front row, Pastor Lainel, and we have the pleasure of kind of just serving all over in the church, wherever there's a need, but we're the associate pastors here at the Building Christian Fellowship, and um, we are, we love our church, so let me tell you, um, there's no place I would rather be, you know, we're approaching Christmas morning, uh, next Sunday, we will be having church here at 11 a.m. Um, there's no place I would rather be celebrating the birth of our Lord than in his house with him. So um, yeah, it means Christmas looks a little different in our house this year, but I mean, hey, it's worth it because Christmas isn't about the gifts under the tree. I mean, we can have the best of intentions. I love, it's no secret that I love Christmas and I love everything about it. I love the music. I love the decorations. I love the idea of getting family together. I love opening the presents. Like we try to put off opening the presents. I know it's weird, but like we try to put it off as long as we can on Christmas day because it's like, it feels like to some extent, like Christmas is over the minute you unwrap all the presents. So like we do it one person at a time, opens one present. I don't know what you guys, what Christmas traditions you have. Like my sister-in-law, it really freaked her out when she came into our family because they were the type that, you know, the kids were up at 6 a.m. and everybody just dug in to the tree and opened all their presents and, it, you know, 
by 6.05, they were done opening presents. More like at 6 p.m., you know, still like, okay, we got one more present for Aunt Susie over here to open. I know, we, it, it's a killer to the kids, but it's great for the adults because it feels like you spend so much time and energy getting ready for that one moment, and then it's over so quick. Anyway, I love um, everything about Christmas. Like I said, it's, it looks a little different this year. We've been a little busier than usual, but um, it's still, they call it the most wonderful time of the year, I mean, for a reason. And it's funny because I'm looking out at the faces, and seriously, it's like half the room is like, yeah. And the other half of the room is like... Yeah, because there's no in-between, is there? It's like everybody either, it seems like they either love Christmas or the other half of the room is like, can Christmas please just, can we get to New Year's, please? Like, I'm ready to start a new year. I'm done with 2022. Um, I want to start a new year. I'm not into the whole Christmas thing, which blows my mind. I'm always trying to be understanding of that, but it's like, how can you not love Christmas? But everybody's idea or experiences with Christmas are not the same. And I'm not even here to talk to us really about Christmas other than just to say, um, because we're still talking about hope. Pastor JR, like I said, he did a great job last week talking about unleashing hope in our community. We've spent several weeks talking about unleashing hope, right? Unleashing hope. We talked about unleashing hope um, in our marriages, unleashing hope with our kids. We've talked about unleashing hope in our church. Pastor John and Kaya got to come up and talk about that. Amazing. Um, We've talked about unleashing hope in our community. And I've been tasked this week to just step it up to the next level and unleash hope, unleashing hope in our world. In our world. I mean, it sounds big. It sounds good, right? But it's like, I'm thinking about the half of the room in here that's like just, you know, we're in this, right in the thick of Christmas season. We've got one week left. It's like, we're charging down the the avenue and it's like, we're almost to the finish line, but people are stressed and people are depressed and people are discouraged. Even Christians. The thing is, is that, you know, if you've been around church long enough, you kind of know, like, um, I'm not supposed to be feeling this way. So we're really good at putting on the mask of acting like I'm hopeful when really I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. I'm, I'm full of hope. Yes, you need to be hopeful. This is when Christmas time is when hope was born, when hope came to earth through a baby. And yes, all of that is true. But when you're looking at the bank account and it's got like a, a, a negative or it's in red at the balance and you're like, how am I going to get more Christmas toys for my kids? How am I going to get my wife something this year? How am I going to get my husband something this year? And we're stressed out. And it's like, I've got this party, you know, everybody's throwing a Christmas party and I got to go and I got to show my face because I'm a Christian and I'm supposed to be the joyful one in the room. I'm supposed to be the hopeful one in the room. But really on the inside, I'm just gritting my teeth till I can get through this. Life is stressful right now. And for a lot of us, you know, we're hanging ornaments on the tree and remembering the people that used to be here to help me hang these, but they're not here anymore. Whether it's loved ones lost or broken relationships, there's so many reminders at Christmas time. Yeah, there's lots of reminders of good memories, but there's also the reminders that those people that we had those good memories with, they may not be here this year. And we act as though we're okay but let's, let's just get one thing straight here this morning. The church is not all about pretty Christmas trees and decorations. The church that we're a part of is really a place where we come to find healing. That's why it always kind of blew my mind during COVID, you know, when, when all the churches were shutting down and we had to shut down for a certain amount of time. But it's like, no, wait, we're going to church because we need healing. We're going to church because that's where healing is, but instead we're shutting it down because of sickness. 
We're shutting down the hospital, basically. And that's what the church is. It's a hospital. Don't get me wrong. I'm not up here making a political point or anything like that. My point is that of we need the church doors open so that people can find the healing that they're needing. And we're not just talking about physical healing this morning. A lot of it is the emotional state that many of us are in after being isolated for so long or for, because we lost loved ones during that season because of sickness. And so this is the place of healing and hope where we're gathered this morning. And so in order to get healed, you've got to be willing to expose what's hurting. So I would just encourage you this morning, Christian, if you could, to just take a minute to take the mask off. Because when we get to the end of this hope series, we want you really to be able to be dispensers of hope. We really want hope to be overflowing in your life for real. And not just because you've put a mask on and you're offering some false thing that you don't really believe to people. Before we can unleash something, Pastor JR, we've got to make sure we first have it. And it's okay to admit, I've been sitting in this chair week after week after week hearing about hope, but I'm still not sure I get it. I'm not sure, I'm still not sure I have it today. And so let's talk about it. I'm all over the place, you guys. I am not in this message at all. Where should we start, Lord? Help me get back on track. So hope is not just a luxury for some people to have. It's a necessity for all of us to have hope. Like hope is the the foundational building block. Before you can have love or faith, you've got to have hope. Before you can have joy, you've got to have hope first. You got to hope for something before we can be filled with joy. Like Hope is the foundation. So if we don't get this down before this series is over, we could be in trouble if we move on when we move on to something else because we've missed out on the foundation. So while this is a season where we're all supposed to be happy and joyful and full of hope, many of us are distracted by all the reminders of loss and grief and sadness and Uh, unfulfilled things that we've been waiting on God for that we're still longing for but haven't happened yet. And now we're about to end another year and I'm still not at that job or I'm still not in that career or I'm still not in that, I don't have that relationship or I don't have that child that I wanted or, you know, all the things. There's all of us. We can sit here and name the things that we've been waiting on that we still don't have. It reminds me of... um, Last year in 2021, Imani, our daughter, turned six years old. She's seven, obviously, now in 2022. But on her sixth birthday, we decided to just have a small birthday party at the house. Um, and we ordered a jump house to, for the front yard for Imani to invite a few little friends over and they can jump away. I mean, any of you who, who have met my daughter, like her nickname is like Endless Energy. Like, she can go all day long from 6 a.m. to about 8 p.m. at night. And then she crashes and she's out for like 10, 11, 12 hours, like straight. But there is no downtime from the time she wakes. She jumps out of bed in the morning, jumps into bed at night, and then two seconds later, she is out. But she has endless energy, so that was the reason for the jump house. Um, And so what was interesting is that... (laughs) why, I guess I learned my lesson on that birthday party, but why I decided to start her party at four o'clock in the afternoon, I'll have no idea. Because how many of you know um, the attention span or uh, a child's ability to wait at six years old um, is not very long? So, I mean, she's she's gotta wait all day long, right, until the party starts. She's up at 6 a.m., like I said, and she's asking me every five minutes, are my friends coming over? I'm like, it's four o'clock, honey. Those are the times, like, you want them to know how to tell time. It's like, okay, when the clock says four, that's when, you know. But at nighttime, you don't want them to be able to, you know, tell time because you want to be able to, at six o'clock to say, it's eight o'clock, time for bed. And she has no way to tell if that's, you know, the actual truth or not, but now she knows how to tell time and doesn't work. But 
I was like, yes, honey, your friends are still coming. The party isn't until later in the day. I'm sure there was a reason for that. I, I don't know. In the morning around 8 a.m., I get a phone call from the Jump House people to tell me or ask me. They said, hey, we've got a busy day today. Is it okay if we drop the Jump House off at 9 a.m.? Parents. Everybody making a comment is a parent because you know exactly what that means. So I'm like, at first I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. No big deal. I mean, we're not doing anything. It's going to sit there empty, you know, for several hours before the kids come over. And they're like, it's fine. It's just the best way for us to do our deliveries. We'll pick it up at whatever agreed time it was, like seven o'clock or something like that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) So of course, you know, when the doorbell rings and they come to set it up, Imani is what? Super excited. You know, she's ready. She is ready to start jumping in that jump house. Um, So she watches them pull it out, set it out in the lawn, you know, get it plugged in, turn on the, you know, all the air blowing out, you know, it's loud even in the house with the door shut and the windows closed. It's like, we can hear it constantly. And of course, you know, you drive by our house, look out the window, whatever, you see this big old jump house that takes up our entire front lawn. And it's like 9.30 now, and we're like, okay, I've got a lot of stuff to do between now and when the the kids come over, but Imani is like, I've got a free day. I can, you know, I don't have time to go outside with her, and I can't let her just be out there in the front yard by herself, jumping in the jump house. Plus, I don't, I mean, the kid is endless energy, but like, I don't want her to be completely tired when all the kids come over at four o'clock. So now we go into the like, you know, she is stressed out because she is like, my jump house is out there, right? I see it. I hear it. There are no kids. There are no decor- party decorations. There's no- is my party really happening? It's like, she's thinking like, am I really going to get to enjoy this? Is the good stuff coming? Is the good stuff coming? Because it's only 945 now and I got several hours to wait. Do the math. 9.45, 4 p.m., 9.45 a.m., 4 p.m. So she does her best. You know, she goes into her room. She gets her iPad out. She's playing with toys. She's listening to music. 15 minutes later, where is she? She runs out into the living room, jumps up on the love seat, which is pressed up against the wall where the window is to see out into our front yard. I've kept the blinds closed. You know, I'm like doing the best I can. Um, We've got music playing and all of that, trying to keep her distracted, you know. She pulls open the blinds. She gets excited. She sees her jump house. And then she turns around with the saddest face ever and looking at me, she's like, Mommy, are my friends still coming? Yes, honey, your friends are still coming. Don't worry, the good stuff's coming. And she's like, okay. And she runs back to her room, distracts herself for a while. 15 minutes later, little feet jumping up onto the love seat, looking over the back of it, lifts open the blinds. There's the, the beautiful, amazing, glorious jump house. Like, I am about to live my best life ever. And then something come, a thought comes and she turns around looking at me sad again, about to have tears in her eyes. Like, mommy, are my friends still coming? It's like, honey, don't worry. I told you it's not until four o'clock. We have, we have time. It's going to happen. Okay. And she's happy again, runs back into her room. This went on all day. Every 15 minutes or so, she'd come out of her room. She would came out at lunchtime to eat her lunch. We actually went outside for like five minutes to jump in the jump house, you know, for a little bit, just to give her a little glimmer of hope. Like, yes, this is coming, you know what I mean? She says, Mommy, my tummy doesn't feel good and comes out and throws up on the sidewalk. But that was just because she had just eaten and we didn't take enough time <laughs> It's hard with kids, okay? Like, they will ask and ask and ask again and again until they get what they want. They're persistent little suckers. They're just persistent. I remember reading about a persistent lady in the Bible going before the judge. Maybe we could learn something from our kids. I don't know. But anyway... The afternoon goes on, same process. She runs out of her room. She looks out the window. She gets all excited. Then she gets really scared and sad. 
And she comes to mommy. And mommy, are my friends still coming? Yes, honey. Your friends are still coming. And it was so hard, you know, you... I'm trying to get the decorations ready, the food ready, everything set up for all the little girls to come over and enjoy, get the games set up so that we could have a fun birthday party, the movie, all of it, you know, the sugar and the cake and the ice cream and all that good stuff, right? The kids go home, then, then you send them home to their parents, you know, to work off. Parent laughing, yes, they know. And it went on all day long. She'd come out, we went through the process back and forth, back and forth, and I would encourage her every time she'd come to me with patience, because you know what? It was her birthday, right? I understood what she was feeling. There was no room for impatience in that moment as a parent. It was like, yes, I want you to have the good stuff too, but just wait. When your friends get here, that's when it's going to be really fun, because going out there by yourself, jumping in the jump house, I mean, that's fun for five minutes, but I mean, you need the friends in there with you to make it really fun. I don't want you to have just a little bit of fun. Like, I want you to have the whole experience in money. Like, I want the best for you. You know, sometimes we're like that six-year-old, like my six-year-old Imani, waiting for the good stuff that we know is supposed to come. We've been promised by our Father. You know, sometimes all we need to hold on to hope is some reassurance from our dad. Just the same way that Imani, in order to get, she's about to lose hope that this party's really gonna happen, so she goes to her mom Mom gives her the hope she, you know, reassurance she needs, and she walks out of the room completely filled with hope again. And us as children just need to take some time to go to the Father when we're about to lose hope, but instead we turn to a friend or we turn to avoidance tactics, turn on the TV, you know, go out with friends, go do something else other than just going and getting to the Father and saying, hey, is the good stuff still coming? And he'll reassure us, like, it's still coming. It's not four o'clock yet. See, I have the perfect timing. I want you to get the full experience of it. I don't want to bless you halfway. I want to bless you all the way. But we're running around, running out on hope because we're looking at the circumstances in front of us. We're peering through the window and seeing it, but we can't enjoy it. We're watching everybody else on Facebook experience everything that we're wanting, but we don't get to enjoy it. Sometimes all we need is a little reassurance from the Father. You know, remember, real hope is an expectation. It's a knowing that something's going to happen. It's not wishing, but sometimes we need to be reminded. And you know, God knew one of the biggest things that we were, as humans, going to have to deal with was worry. Like, is it really going to happen? I'm worried. Am I going to have enough money to bless all of my kids at Christmas? I'm worried, God. You know, are we going to get a house one day? You know, it, I haven't seen it, but you promised. What about a husband, a wife? You know, what about the family you said I would have? You know, in the first recorded sermon that we see in the Bible of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, he talked and addressed the concern of worry more than any other thing in that message. So the very first thing we hear him talking about, I mean, usually that's pretty something pretty important then. He addresses the concern of worry. That's why he says things to us, like sent Jesus to tell us things like, you know, uh, all things are possible. All you got to do is believe. Just believe. Like, you got one job, Christian. Only believe. We're messing up the one job that he gave us. He said, only believe. Because he knew if we would believe, all the other things could kind of work themselves out. God wants us to trust him more than anything else. What pleases God? Faith. What is faith? Trust. Trust. He wants us to trust him. And one of the last conversations that Jesus had with his disciples, what did he say? He said, don't worry, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 
Don't worry. Be of good cheer. That sounds a lot like be filled with hope. This is not your future. Fear is not your future. Your future does not look like this right now. Your story is still being written. How dare you put the pen down now? The best stories, movies, books, anything is when everything's falling apart and then in the end, there's like this miraculous coming together and everything works out. Like that is the Bible. Like they stole that idea, that concept from God to entertain us. But he's like, I did that so you would have hope. I told you the end of the story. Like, spoiler alert, we win. There's no hidden uh, outcome here. We all know how the story ends. If it's not good, he's not done. If your life is not good, he's not done. If the situation is not good, he's not done. Why do we have such a hard time believing? He says, don't worry. (laughs) Be of good cheer. Don't lose hope. I have overcome the world. To drive this home a little more, let's turn to Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. Like every good Christian knows this scripture says, be anxious for nothing. What does that mean? Don't worry. Does it say, be anxious for only some things? Just the big things. No, it says nothing. But in everything, some things, everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, sounds like having hope, even though things look hopeless, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Just to break it down a little bit more, I like the way the message version says it. It says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Look at this. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Let God know your concerns. It's okay to be like that six-year-old and come back to him and say, God, it's me again. Sorry, but you know, it's, I'm still concerned because things don't look like they're changing. You just can be like, don't worry. It's not four o'clock yet. I got the best for you coming. Don't worry. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, that sounds like hope, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Peace comes when we pray, not when we get the answer to our prayer. Like God's like, I'm not, I'm not going to have you wait to have peace until you get what you want. Isn't that what we've been, we've done with our kids at times? It's like, just be quiet here, have it, you know? And God's like, I'm not that kind of father. I want you to experience the best. I, I want you to be your best. And that means we've got to build, build up some endurance. That means waiting. You know, we've got to build up your hope. That means we've got to, you've got to learn. We talked about how to strengthen our grip on hope. Sometimes that means holding on to it a little bit longer each time. Each time you hold on a little bit longer, you get a little bit stronger. He's way more uh, concerned about who and what you are becoming than he is about giving you that thing that you want. Prayer brings us peace. And peace enables us to hold on to hope. We pray. We're worried, so we pray. God gives us peace, and that helps us to hold on to our hope. Coming to the Father through prayer gives us the reassurance we need to keep on hoping. So if you're struggling in this season to hold on to that hope, all we need to do is simply go to the Father for some reassurance. And he's like, here's some peace. Like, yes, it's coming. Don't worry. Okay, we're at peace. Now I can hold on a little bit longer. But when I start to stress and worry about it, I'm definitely more likely to let go a lot quicker of that hope that I'm trying to hold on to. And yes, we're talking about unleashing hope in the world. 
But just like Pastor JR said last week, we got to have this hope before we can give this hope. God never gets tired of us coming to him. We can't wear him out. Like he's got a lot more patience than we do as parents. Manu was wearing me out that day. I I feel like I say that a lot. I'm like, she is wearing me out. Any other parents just being honest in the room? Like they can wear us out, but our father is long suffering. He's way more patient than we are as parents. And I feel like I'm constantly being convicted, like, Remember how patient I was with you? Show some patience to your daughter. Okay, yes, Lord, yes. The more you come to the Father and pray, the more hope you'll have to unleash in this world. Matthew chapter five, verses 13 through 16 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, maybe we could say like, you are the hope of this earth. But if you lose your hope, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, when I preached my first message on hope in this series, the one thing that we all agreed upon, because we agreed that there were a lot of things we could disagree on in the world right now, but there was one thing we could agree all wholeheartedly together, everyone in the room, and that was that what the world needs right now is hope. Who do you think are supposed to be dispensing that hope to everyone. Sister, brother, you are salt and you are light. I am salt and I am light and I have a responsibility as salt and light to let my light shine. And most often, the way we shine our light to people in this world is to give them the thing they so desperately need, which is hope. Because we're not offering them wishful thinking. We're offering them the hope that is a person. Like, it's not just a, 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 something you toss out there and hope that it comes back good. No, the hope we're giving has been proven over time. The hope that we're bringing to people is more than just wishful thoughts and good vibes. Remember that little scripture in the Bible where it says that you will reap what you sow? Maybe another way, if you're low on hope, maybe if you sowed some hope into someone else, you would reap back some more for yourself. There is something about when you open up your mouth and talk about the goodness of God to someone, or you talk about the hope that you found in Jesus Christ when all was lost. I mean, Abraham, we think we've got it so hard, and and yet... When you think about the Christmas story and when Jesus came, those that, that knew God and loved God and served God were at the most hopeless state ever. Like it, it was almost like God waited until the very last strand of hope was left. And he's like, okay, son, now's the time. Let's give them what real hope looks like. And it's so funny because so often they, you know, they're looking for this big, mighty warrior defender to come and deliver them. And how did hope show up? As a baby in a stable, in a manger. Like hope didn't show up the way we thought. And sometimes we're looking for the big, answer, the big resolution, and yet we're missing out on the hope that already exists that we can share. It's like, yeah, well, for many years, I wanted to be a mother. And it almost got to the point where it was embarrassing to tell people I was believing God to be a mom. You hit 40 and people look at you like, are you sure that's for you? Like, I was 43 years old when I became a mom. (laughs) 
although she was three years old when I brought her in. So it, it was like I was 40 when I had her. That's what I tell myself anyway. But I was determined because something on the inside of me, it was, I'm pretty sure it was that anchor holding me that's like, I, I know, God, I had to go back to him several times because I was peering out that window constantly seeing everybody else having babies, no problem, right? Anybody who's ever struggled with infertility, especially with social media, like you see everybody, all the baby showers, all the new baby announcements, everything. I'm like, I, it's out there. What about me? And God's like, it's not four o'clock yet. I want to give you the full blessing. Like, I don't want your story to be like everybody else's. My story is special, and every mama in this room should feel that way. Like, my story is not like everybody else's. I was, oh, we we went to a funeral yesterday for a, a great man of God, Lionel's first pastor that he ever had at eight years old, right? Eight years old, the bus came out to his community and picked him up and all his friends and brought him and his friends to church. And uh, this man was on the bus that day. See, the pastor of the church doesn't always ride on the bus to go pick up the kids from the low-income housing, and, but he was there. And he met him that day, that first time he got on the bus. And it was just amazing to see all the lives that have been changed. This man had not been doing ministry for like the past 30 years. And yet the church was just full of people telling their stories about, um, he, he actually sounded a lot like Pastor John. Um, he, he really had a heart for encouraging people. And he always had a smile on his face. And these are all things, I've never met the man, but I'm learning about him as I'm hearing the stories. And one of the big things was that he was big on um, uniting the church, um, being united with other pastors in the community. And even other pastors came up and talked about him um, from the community. It was just an amazing time. And why I told you that story, I'm not 100% sure, but... (laughs) We're talking about hope today, okay? We are talking about hope. (laughs) Romans chapter five, verse three through five. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. I mean, that sounds like a hopeful person that can glory in tribulation. I'm sorry. Not everybody can glory in tribulation, but because we know that this is not our home, that there is, this is not the end of our story. We can glory because it's going to produce perseverance. We know that even in bad situations, God's going to use it for our good. That's the kind of hope that we have. We're not bogged down by all the negativity and by the bad that's happening to us because we know that God has a specialty of bringing something good. And if this bad thing didn't happen to me, I never would have gotten the good thing. I look back at the worst time of my life and I can honestly say the worst time of my life was also the best time of my life because of the things that I learned through it and the way that I got to know the Lord in that season. And you can hear that from almost every cancer patient, every person that's ever dealt with sickness, someone with a going through a heart transplant to say, yes, it was the worst thing. I don't want to go through it again. But man, the things that I got out of it, the way I got to know the Lord in that season, I'll never be able to learn that any other way than suffering. And we're so focused on the suffering, we forget that the perseverance that's going to come out of it and perseverance, character and character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint. Remember I talked about earlier, somebody was walking around waiting for the other shoe to drop and Tiri, you can come and I'll close out, finish the scripture because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Do you know why some people walk around disappointed? Even when we know we're supposed to be hopeful. But the truth is we can't get past the way we feel and the heaviness of what we're carrying. We can't fully enjoy things because we're just waiting to be disappointed again. Even when good things happen to us, we're just waiting for the next bad thing to come. 
Maybe we need to look at where we've really placed our hope. Because we say we've placed it in the Savior, right? So why can't we be hopeful in the waiting? Like, the, the problem is, is that really we've said that, but the truth is we've put our hope in the, the answer to that thing that we've asked for. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'll be hopeful once he does it. And he's like, no, I, I need you to be hopeful whether I do it or not. Listen, Imani wanted a VR for her uh, Christmas present this year, virtual reality. She's seven, y'all. What kind of parents are we if we go out just because she wants something, go out and get it? She's not mature enough to handle the things. I mean, she's barely mature enough to remember to bring home her iPad when she brings it to church, right? Like, she's not mature enough to handle the content that she may accidentally come across. And no matter how much we try to guard our children, they're gonna accidentally come across things. And the reality is they know a whole lot more about technology than we ever will. And as much as, and I'm all for a proponent of parents knowing about technology. I'm also all a, pro- a proponent of, you know, keeping them away from technology as long as you can. But listen, eventually they're all going to come to be exposed to things that we wish they wouldn't. I mean, that is the hardest thing to me as a parent, watching my innocent little girl, you know, be exposed to things that she's not really mature or ready to see or hear or experience, but the reality is it happens. And we do our best to protect them, but there's still moments. And the thing with all of that is I don't give her something just because she wants it. I have to evaluate whether or not she's ready for it. And you may think you're ready for what you're asking the father for, but there's no one that knows us better than him. He knows us inside and out. And he might be saying, not yet, it's not four o'clock. Like you're not ready for it. You think you are. Maybe he was saying to me, you you think you're ready to be a mom, but maybe you're not. I don't know. I'll ask him one day, why did we wait so long? There's some things I could guess and, and all of that, but it doesn't matter when it's all said and done because he is a sovereign God. And not only that, he's a good God and his timing is perfect. And we may wonder why. And like I said, one day when you get to heaven, maybe you can have that conversation with him or maybe he'll tell you now if you ask him. But some things we won't know this side of heaven or understand this side of heaven and we've got to learn to be okay with that. I trust that you know, even if we had never become parents, as hard as that would have been to have that longing go unfulfilled, I can honestly say to you, I would have been okay. Yeah, it doesn't mean I wouldn't be disappointed, feel, have the feelings of disappointment at times or have, but in the end, I trust God that he knows what is best for me. That's the kind of father, and see, that's why it's a problem for some people because you didn't grow up with a father like that. Wait, child, doesn't necessarily mean no. I mean, I have to tell Imani that all the time. It's like, I am not saying no to you. I'm saying wait five minutes. You know what I mean? And she thinks it's the end of the world. And God's like, that's you. When I tell you to wait, that's the reaction you're having on the inside, falling all over the floor, you know, kicking and screaming. Because I said, wait five minutes. But sometimes the answer is no. what are we going to do then? Romans 15, 13. I pray that God, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow. You hear that? Overflow with confident hope. Like not just hope, but confident hope. The power, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is our source of hope. And his hope does not disappoint. 
if you want to unleash this hope in the world, you got to go to the source of hope. Again and again. Prayer is what brings peace. And peace is what helps us to hold on to hope. But the first step is to pray. You don't have to worry about your promise. You don't have to worry about that thing that God has promised you. Four o'clock isn't here yet. And every time you're tempted to worry, just go to the Father for some reassurance. Spend some time in prayer. He can handle it. Like you might not be able to handle your kid coming back to you every 15 minutes asking you, but he can handle it. And when we're so full of that confident hope that he gives us, overflowing with hope, literally the word says, we can't help but uh, to unleash it to the world. This Saturday, we have an opportunity to unleash it in our community. Hope. Listen, if you're part of the Christmas dream team, you're coming to help, there's an opportunity you can go. If you didn't sign up last week to serve, there's one more opportunity today. You can sign up to serve or show up here at seven o'clock on this Saturday morning here at the church. We'll get everything loaded up. We'll pray and we'll go unleash some hope on the community of Susun City. Be praying this week. Listen, we're all a part of this. This isn't just a, you know, oh, this is Pastor Jenny and um, Lahoma and Tamijah. They're running this thing, so it's up to them to pray. No, there's a, a, a team you can sign up to be an intercessor that day. But listen, we're all intercessors between now and next Saturday to pray. Go to the Father. This is your opportunity. If you've been lacking hope, find some hope so that you get that confident hope. You're filled up to overflowing and it just flows out onto everybody we come in contact with. We're believing for divine appointments, moments of encouragement. Guys, I can't say it any better than to quote the prophet DJ III and just tell you guys that we are here to discourage people from being discouraged, right? And to encourage or encourage those, well, I can't even say it now. Encourage to be encouraged, discourage you from being discouraged. That's what we're gonna do on Saturday morning. That's Pastor Donald, by the way, that says that, okay. Can we stand to our feet this morning? We're gonna close out. I'm gonna close out with this last scripture in First Peter chapter 3, 15, NLT. It says, instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you, about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. They should see hope on us this Saturday, guys. Like it should be overflowing and bubbling out of us because our hope is not in this world. It's in something that never changes. And his hope does not lead to disappointment. Unleash hope. Shine your light. Be the salt of the earth. Like we're the ones that should make this life taste good. You know what I mean? Like we're constantly walking around being bombarded with all the the ugliness that's happening in this world. That's all the news media wants to show us is all the bad that's happening. Like let's make sure we're making, we're, we're spreading so much hope and making everything taste so good this Saturday that the media is out there to report the good things that are happening in the city of Sassoon. At the very least, Maybe we'll encounter that one woman at the well and she's going to go back and tell everybody about all the things that Jesus knew about her and did for her. Let's be the woman at the well. Let's go back and tell. Let's make sure, or let's be the light like Jesus. And, and I mean, you don't have to tell people all about their business like Jesus did, okay? But let's dispense some hope so they can go take that hope back with them to their homes and have a hopeful Christmas this year. It's like, we don't have to have another depressed and down Christmas. Let's, let's close our eyes this morning. Father God, thank you so much for your word. It's so good, God, to be encouraged by your word. But it's even better when we're able to give it out to someone else. And so Lord, I pray that now, God, more than anything, God, that you have opened the eyes of our understanding to really truly grasp what hope really looks like as a believer. 
And I pray, God, that as we come to you, when we get concerned about whether it's gonna happen or not, God, that we remember to run to the Father to find the reassurance that we're needing. God, help us to pray about everything. Just like your word says, everything, everything matters to you. You wouldn't have said it if you didn't mean it. And so God, I just pray as we go about this week, Father, help us to come to you consistently to remember, let this word, your word, God, about hope, all the the weeks that we've been learning, God, that it would ring in our hearts and in our minds and remind us, God, that we are called to be salt and to be light, God. And that our hope is unchanging and that you are our anchor, God. I just thank you. Father God, I lift up every broken heart in this room this morning, God. And I pray, Lord Jesus, right now that they are that they would find you and come to you, Lord, and experience you as the lifter of their heads, God, and the healer of the brokenhearted, God. You said you're near to the brokenhearted, that you stay close to us. And so, God, I pray that as they go about this week, Father God, that they experience your nearness, God, that they're aware of your presence near to them, bringing comfort, God, like only you can bring, and bringing hope like only you can bring, God. Just thank you, Lord, that we recognize and understand, God, that hope is not just a luxury, but it's a necessity, God. We love you this morning, Lord. We praise you, God. I pray for every person in this room, God, that you bless them to be salt and light this week, Lord, that wherever they go, that they would shine their light and share the love of Jesus. And one last thing this morning, if there's anybody in this room and you're hearing about this hope in Jesus for the first time, and it sounds incredible because you've been living in hopelessness, not knowing that there was this reality of hope out there. If you're here this morning and you would like us to pray with you, to come to know Jesus, the hope of the world, if you raise your hand, we'll take a moment to pray with you this morning. We want to pray with you. Is there anybody in here who would like to ask Jesus to come into their hearts? I'm looking around. Give it one more moment. We'd love to pray with you and introduce you to the hope of the world. Anybody in here? Okay. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, we're filled with hope this morning. Hallelujah. There's a new horizon just waiting for us. God, we thank you for not letting us leave this place the same way that we walked in this morning. We're so thankful for your presence that we've encountered in your word that has changed us, God. And just thank you, Lord, that as we go about our week, God, that you would be honored and glorified through our lives. Thank you for the hope that you brought and made available to us. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. Amen. You want to give God some praise? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go be salt and light in the world the rest of this week, and we'll see you on Saturday. Sign up right outside in the foyer if you want to sign up to help for the Christmas outreach.